0: Chapter one Part one of More Tish This is a LibriVox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Dore. More Tish by Mary Roberts Reinhardt. The Cave on Thunder Cloud Part One. It is doubtful if Aggie and I would have known anything about Tish's plan had Aggie not seen the advertisement in the newspaper. She came to my house at once in violent excitement and her bonnet over her ear and gave me the newspaper clipping to read. It said, Wanted, a small donkey, must be gentle, female, and if possible, answer to the name of Modestine. Address X27, Morning News. Well, I said when I had read it, did you insert the advertisement or do you propose to answer it? Aggie was preparing to take a drink of water, but the water being cold and the weather warm, she was dabbing a little on her wrists first to avoid colic. She looked up at me in surprise. Do you mean to say, Lizzie, she demanded, that you don't recognize that advertisement? Modestine, I reflected. I've heard the name before somewhere. Didn't Tish have a cook once named Modestine? But it seemed that that was not it. Aggie sat down opposite me and took off her bonnet. Although it was only the 1st of May, the weather, as I have said, was very warm. To think, she said heavily, that all the time while I was reading it aloud to her, when she was laid up with neuralgia, she was scheming and planning, never saying a word to me. Not that I would have gone, but I could have sent her mail to her and at least have notified the authorities if she had disappeared. Reading what aloud to her? Her mail? I asked sharply. Travels with a donkey, Aggie replied stevenson's travels with a donkey it isn't safe to read anything aloud to tish anymore the older she gets the worse she is she thinks that what anyone else has done she can go and do if she could read a book on poultry farming she would think she could teach a young hen to lay an egg as aggie spoke a number of things came back to me i recalled that the sunday before in church tish had appeared absorbed and even more devout than usual and had taken down the headings of the sermon on her missionary envelope, but that on my leaning over to see if she had them correctly, she had whisked the paper away before I'd had more than time to see the first heading. It had said, Rubber Heels. Aggie was pacing the floor nervously, holding the empty glass. She's going on a walking tour with a donkey. That's what, Lizzie, she said, pausing before me. I could see it sticking out all over her while I read that book and if we go to her now and tax her with it she'll admit it but if she says she's doing it to get thin don't you believe it that was all aggie would say she shut her lips and said she had come for my recipe for caramel custard but when i put on my wraps and said i was going to tish's she said she would come along tish lives in an apartment and she was not at home miss swift the seamstress opened the door and stood in the doorway so we could not enter I'm sorry, Miss Aggie and Miss Lizzie, she said, putting out her left elbow as Aggie tried to duck by her, but she left positive orders to admit nobody. Of course, if she had known you were coming, but she didn't. What are you making, Miss Letitia? Aggie asked sweetly. Summer clothes? Yes, some little thin things. It's getting so hot. Humph. I see you're making them with an upholsterer's needle, said Aggie, and marched down the hall with her head up. I was quite bewildered, for even if Tish had decided on a walking tour, I couldn't imagine what an upholsterer's needle had to do with it, unless she meant to upholster the donkey. We got down to the entrance before Aggie spoke again. Then, what did I tell you, she demanded, that woman's making her a... But at that very instant, there was a thud under our feet, and something came ping through the floor not six inches away from my toe, and lodged in the ceiling. Aggie and I stood looking up. It had made a small round hole over our heads, and a little cloud of plaster dust hung round it. "'Somebody shot at us,' declared Aggie, clutching my arm. "'That was a bullet!' I stooped down and felt the floor. There was a hole in it, and from somewhere below I thought I heard voices. It was not very comfortable standing there on top of heaven-knows-what, but we were divided between fear and outrage, and our indignation won. With hardly a word, we went back to the rear staircase— and so to the cellar. Halfway down the stairs, both of us remembered the same thing, that it was Tish's day to use the basement laundry, and that perhaps... Tish was not in the laundry, nor was Hannah, her maid. But Tish's blue and white dressing sack was on the line, and the blue had run, as I had said it would when she bought it. In the furnace room beyond we heard voices, and Aggie opened the door. Tish and Hannah were both there. They had not heard us nonsense tish was saying if anybody had been hit we'd have heard a scream or if they were killed we'd have heard them fall i heard a sort of yell said poor hannah i don't like it miss tish the time before you just missed me why did you stick your arm out demanded tish now take that broomstick and we'll start again did you score that how'll i score it asked hannah hit or miss she went to the cellar wall and stood waiting with a piece of charcoal in her hand the whitewashed wall was marked with rows of x's and ciphers the ciphers predominated mark it amiss but i heard a yell fiddle are you ready tish had lifted a small rifle into position and was standing with her feet apart pointing it at a white target hanging by a string from a rafter as she gave the signal hannah sighed and picking up a broom handle started the target to swaying pendulum fashion tish followed it with the gun I thought things had gone far enough, so I stepped into the cellar and spoke in ringing tones. Letitia Carbury," I said sternly. Tish pulled the trigger at that moment, and the bullet went into the furnace pipe. It was absurd, of course, for Tish to blame me for it, but she turned on me in rage. Look what you made me do, she snapped. Can't a person have a moment's privacy? What I think you need, I retorted, is six months' complete seclusion in a sanitarium you nearly shot us in the upper hall aggie put in warmly well as long as i didn't shoot you in the upper hall or any other place i guess you needn't fuss said tish ready hannah this time she shot hannah in the broom handle and practically put her o'er comba. but the shot immediately after was what tish triumphantly called a clean bull's-eye that is it hit the center of the target that is the time to stop when one has made a bull's-eye in any sort of achievement i take it and tish is nobody's fool she took off her spectacles and wiped the perspiration and gunpowder streaks from her face she was immediately in high good humor every unprotected female should know how to handle a weapon she said oracularly and sitting down on the edge of the coal-bin proceeded to swab out the gun with a wad of cotton on the end of a stick the poker has been good enough for you for fifty years i retorted and if you think you look sporty or anything but idiotic sitting there in a flowered kimono and swabbing out the throat of that gun. Just then the janitor came down, and Tish gave him a dollar for the use of the cellar, and did not mention the furnace pipe. Aggie and I glanced at each other. Tish's demoralization had begun. From that minute to the long and entirely false story she told the red-bearded man in the thundercloud glen several days later, she trod, as Aggie truthfully said, the downward path of mendacity, bringing up in-the-county jail and hysterics we went upstairs tish ahead and aggie and i two flights behind believing that tish with an unloaded gun was a thousand times more dangerous than any outlaw with an entire arsenal loaded to the muzzle we had a cup of tea in tish's parlor but she kept us out of the bedroom where we could hear miss swift running the sewing machine finally aggie set out of a clear sky have you had any answers to your advertisement tish who had been about to put a slice of lemon in her tea put it in her mouth instead, and stared at us both. What advertisement? We know all about it, Tish, I said, and if you think it proper for a woman of your age to go adventuring with only a donkey for company. I've had worse, Tish snapped, and I'm not feeble yet, as far as my age goes. If I want to take a walking tour, it's my affair, isn't it? You can't walk with your bad knee, I objected, Tish sniffed. You're envious, that's what, she sneered. While you are sitting at home, overeating and oversleeping and getting fat in mind and body, I shall be on the broad highway, walking between hedgerows of flowering, flowering, well, between hedgerows. While you sleep in stuffy, upholstered rooms, I shall lie in woodland glades in my sleeping bag and see overhead the constellation of, of what's its name? I shall talk to the birds and the birds will talk to me. Sleeping bag! that was what aggie had meant that miss swift was making what are you going to do when it rains it doesn't rain much in may anyhow a friendly farmhouse and a glass of milk even a barn aggie got up with the light of desperation in her eyes aggie hates woods and gnats has no eye for nature and for almost half a century has pampered her body in a feather-bed poultice with the windows closed until the first of june each year yet aggie rose to the crisis you shan't go alone tish she said stoutly you'll forget to change your stockings when your feet are wet and you can't make a cup of coffee fit to drink i'm going too tish made a gesture of despair but aggie was determined tish glanced at me well she snapped we might as well make it a family excursion aren't you coming along too to look after aggie not at all i observed calmly i'll have enough to do looking after myself but i like the idea and since you've invited me I'll come, of course. At first, I'm afraid Tish was not particularly pleased. She said she had it all planned to make four miles an hour, or about forty miles a day, and that anyone falling back would have to be left by the wayside, and that if we were not prepared to sleep on the ground, or were going to talk rheumatism every time she found a place to camp, she would thank us to remember that we had really asked ourselves. But she grew more cheerful, finally, and seemed to be glad to talk over the details of the trip with somebody. She said it was a pity we had not had some practice with firearms, for we would each have to take a weapon, the mountains being full of outlaws, more than likely. Neither Aggie nor I could use a gun at all, but as Tish observed, we could pot at trees and fence posts along the road by way of practice. When I suggested that the sight of three women of our age, we are all well on toward fifty, Aggie insists that she is younger than I am, but we were in the same infant class in Sunday school three women of our age potting at fences was hardly dignified. Tish merely shrugged her shoulders. She asked us not to let Charlie Sands learn of the trip, who'd be sure to be fussy and want to send a man along, and that would spoil it all. What with the secrecy and the guns and everything, I dare say we were like a lot of small boys getting ready to run away, out west and kill Indians. In fact, Tish said it reminded her of the time years ago when Charlie Sands and some other boys had run away. With all the carving knives and razors they could gather together and were found a week later in a cave in the mountains, 20 miles or so from town. Tish showed us her sleeping bag, which was felt outside, and her old white fur rug within. Aggie planned hers immediately on the same lines, with her fur coat as a lining. But I had mine made of oilcloth outside, my rheumatism having warned me that we were going to have rain. I was right about the rain i had an old army revolver that had belonged to my father and of course tish had her coal cellar rifle but aggie had nothing more dangerous than a bayonet from the mexican war this being too heavy to carry and dull being only possible as a weapon by bringing the handle down on one's opponent's head aggie was forced to buy a revolver the man in the shop tried to sell her a small pearl handled one but she would not look at it she bought one of the sort that goes on shooting as long as one holds a finger on the trigger a snub nosed thing that looked as deadly as it was. She was in terror of it from the moment she got it home. And during most of the trip, it was packed in Excelsior and the barrel stuffed with cotton on Modestine's back. Which brings me to Modestine. Tish received three answers to her advertisement one was a mule, one a piebald pony with a wicked eye, and the third was a donkey. It seemed that Stevenson had said that the pack animal of such a trip should be cheap, small, and hardy and that a donkey, best of all, answered these requirements. The donkey in question was, however, not female. Tish was firm about this, but on no more donkeys being offered, she bought this one and called him Modestine. anyhow. He was very dirty, and we paid a dollar extra to have him washed with soap powder as our food was to be carried on his back. Also, the day before we started, I spent an hour or so on him with a fine comb, with gratifying results. I must confess I entered on the adventure with a light heart, Tish had apparently given up all thoughts of the airplane. Her automobile was being used by Charlie Sands. The weather was warm and sunny, and the orchards were in bloom. I had no premonition of danger. The adventure, reduced to its elements of canned food, alcohol lamp, sleeping bags, and toothbrushes, seemed no adventure at all, but a peaceful and pastoral excursion by three middle-aged women into green fields and pastures new. We reckoned, however, without Aggie's missionary dime aggie's church had sent each of its members a ten-cent piece with instructions to invest it in some way and to return it multiplied as much as possible in three months this was on aggie's mind but we did not know it until later really aggie's missionary dime is the story if she had done as she had planned at first and invested it in an egg had hatched the egg in cotton wool on the shelf over her kitchen range and raised the chicken eventually selling the chicken to herself for dinner at seventy-five cents This story would never have been written. What the dime really bought was a glass of jelly wrapped in a two-day-old newspaper. But to go back. We were to start from Tish's at dawn on Tuesday morning. Modestine's former owner had agreed to bring him, at that hour, to the alley behind Tish's apartment. On Monday, Aggie and I sent over what we felt we could not get along without, and about five, we both arrived. Tish was sitting on the floor with luggage scattered all around her and heaped on the chairs and bed. She looked up witheringly when we entered. You forgot your opera cloak, Lizzie, she said, and Aggie has only sent five pairs of shoes. I've got to have shoes, Aggie protested. If you've got to have five pairs of shoes, six white petticoats, summer underwear, intermediates and flannels, a bathrobe, six bath towels, and a sunshade, not to mention other things, you want an elephant, not a donkey. Why do we have a donkey, I asked. Why don't we have a horse and buggy and go like Christians? Because you and Aggie wouldn't walk if we did, snapped Tish. I know you both. You'd have rheumatism or a corn and you'd take your walking trip sitting. Besides, we may not always keep to the roads. I'd like to go up into the mountains. Well, Tish was disagreeable, but right. As it turned out, the donkey, being small, could only carry the sleeping bags, our portable stove, and the provisions. We each were obliged to pack a suitcase and carry that. We started at dawn the next day. Hannah came down to the alley and didn't think much of Modestine, but by the time he was loaded, a small crowd had gathered, and when we finally started off, Tish ahead with Modestine's bridle over her arm, and Aggie and I behind with our suitcases, a sort of cheer went up. It was, however, an orderly leave taking, perhaps owing to the fact that Tish's rifle was packed in full view on Modestine's back. I have a great admiration for Tish. She does not fear the pointing finger of scorn. She took the most direct route out of town and by the time we had reached the outskirts we had a string of small boys behind us like the tail of a kite. When we reached the cemetery and sat down to rest they formed a circle round us and stared at us. Tish looked at her watch. We had seen an hour and 20 minutes going 2 miles. End of the Cave on Thundercloud part 1.